0: and welcome to the Amazing Bible. Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If, by chance, you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today, we are looking at the third minor prophet of Amos. The first was Hosea, who married the harlot, which showed how Israel was unfaithful to the Lord. Joel was with the plague of locusts, which brought a call to repentance before the day of the Lord comes. With Amos, Dr. T.J. Betts, my Old Testament professor, said in class, the key words are judgment of Israel. He wrote a book called Amos, an Ordinary Man with an Extraordinary Message, and I will be referencing his book throughout this lesson. Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1 sets the stage for our book. The words of Amos, who was among the shepherds from Tekoa, which he envisioned in visions concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. This gives us a lot more information than Joel did. So first, Amos was a shepherd, and in 714, we find that he was also a grower of sycamore figs. Tekoa was in Judah, about 10 to 11 miles south of Jerusalem and 5 miles south of Bethlehem. The Lord gave him visions which were about Israel, the northern tribes. He was the Lord's messenger. Uzziah, king of Judah, reigned around 792 to 740 B.C. And Jeroboam II, the king of Israel, was around 793 to 753 B.C. We don't know the date of the earthquake, but we still have a good idea when he was alive. Just a note, Hosea also prophesied during the reign of Jeroboam II. This era is found in the Old Testament history books in 2 Kings chapter 14 verses 15 through 29 and 2 Chronicles chapter 26. There are a few things to point out during this time frame. Both the north and south were prosperous, but there was disunity between the two nations. Their prosperity brought pride and a sense that God's favor was upon them. They were both very religious, but their religion was syncretistic. What that means is that they not only worshipped the Lord, but they worshipped other gods as well, and it had all become mingled together. The message from the Lord begins, The Lord roars from Zion! Zion is the holy mountain that Jerusalem and the temple are on. It is not surprising then that the prophecies begin with judgments starting with Israel's neighbors and then Judah and Israel. We have Damascus chapter 1 verses 3 through 5, Gaza chapter 1 verses 6 through 8, Tyre chapter 1 verses 9 and 10, Edom chapter 1 verses 11 and 12, Ammon chapter 1 verses 13 and 15, Moab chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. Then Judah is in chapter 2 verses 4 and 5, and Israel chapter 2 verses 6 and 8. Each of these judgments upon the nations begin with, For three transgressions of the nation, and for four, I will not revoke its punishment because... And then he explains the purpose of the judgment. This shows us that the Lord is over all of the nations. In verses 9 through 16 of chapter 2, the Lord reminds Israel, It was I who destroyed the Amorites before them. It was I who brought you up from the land of Egypt. I led you in the wilderness 40 years. I raised up some of your sons as prophets, but you, but they did not obey him. Chapter three starts, hear this word, which the Lord has spoken against you, sons of Israel, against the entire family, which he brought up from the land of Egypt. You only have one chosen among all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. Dr. Betts pointed out in class that with election comes responsibility. In other words, election is God's calling of us, God choosing us. But in the midst of that, we have responsibility of what we do with his calling. There are choices that we make every day as to if we will follow his leading or not. One thing that Dr. Bett said in his book with this chapter, the Lord never brings down his judgment upon his people without first sending them a word of warning. Why? It is because judgment is not God's default setting when it comes to humanity. God's desire is for people to repent rather than perish. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9. And his quote is found on page 66 of his book. Chapter 4 continues with various ways the Lord tried to get Israel's attention. And the phrase, Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord, is repeated five times. And then verses 12 and 13 read, Therefore this I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. For behold, he who forms mountains and creates the wind and declared to man what are his thoughts, he who makes dawn into darkness and treads on the high places of the earth, the Lord God of hosts is his name. There is a time of reckoning with the Lord The whole book of Amos is in a poetic format, but chapter 5 is written with a chiastic structure where the first and last line are similar, and then the second and the second to the end are similar until it meets in the middle. Verse 1 says, Hear this word which I take up for you as a dirge, O house of Israel. This is a funeral hymn, a lament. Verses 1 and 3 lament the destruction of Israel. Verses 4 through 6 is a cry to seek God and live. And with that, verse 7, which accuse the people of injustice. Verses 8 and 9 are the center of the chiasm, and it praises the Lord. Verses 10 through 13, again, accuse the people of injustice. Verses 14 and 15, again, cry out to seek God and live. And then verses 16 and 17, again, lament the destruction of the nation of Israel. Verse 18 of chapter 5 starts, Alas, you who are longing for the day of the Lord, for what purpose will the day of the Lord be to you? It will be darkness, not light. As Dr. Bett said in his book, they are self-deceived. Then the Lord talks to them about their worship practices. Verses 21 through 23 says, The Lord rejects their festivals, solemn assemblies, burnt offerings, grain offerings, and peace offerings. He will not accept them, he says. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not even listen to the sound of your harps. Then verse 24 says, But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Do you know who used that verse in a historic speech during the Civil Rights Movement? Yep, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. In other words, their religious practices were a show, and their lifestyle of self-indulgence and oppression of the poor showed what they really believed, and it was not godly. Their hearts were far from the Lord. As Dr. Betts said, it is impossible to worship the Lord while at the same time mistreating or neglecting others, page 194 of his book. Chapter 6 focuses on those who are at ease or complacent. As Dr. Betts said in his book, verses 1 through 3 show complacency when we think we are better than others. Verses 4 through 7 show complacency when we have no concern for others. And then verses 8 through 14 show the fall of the proud, which comes through the Lord of hosts, also known as the Lord of armies, who is stronger than any army. Chapter 7 starts a section of visions. Verses 1 through 3 show a vision of swarming locusts. When Amos saw it, he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord changed his mind about this and said, It shall not be done. The second vision was a fire in verses 4 through 6. Again, Amos cried out unto the Lord, and the Lord changed his mind about this and said, This too will not be. Dr. Betts said in his book, It is the prophet's responsibility to stand in the breach when God's people are in harm's way page 134 of his book. The third vision found in verses 7 through 9 was a plumb line, which is like a level. The Lord has drawn a line, and Israel does not measure up. We then have a small interlude from the prophecies and visions in verses 10 through 17, and we have a storyline in it. Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, which was one worship spot in Israel, sent word to Jeroboam, the king, and said, Amos is preaching against you and we can't handle it. He's saying you're going to die by the sword and Israel will go into exile. Amaziah, the priest, then told Amos to go back to Judah and leave Bethel because it is the sanctuary of the king. Then Amos replied, I am not a prophet, nor am I the son of a prophet, for I am a herdsman and a grower of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go prophesy to my people Israel. Verses 14 and 15. This shows us that God can use anyone he so chooses. Then Amos prophesied judgment upon Amaziah, his wife, sons daughters land and that israel will certainly go into exile this shows the religious establishment had also become corrupt but the real authority is the lord the visions begin again in chapter 8 and vision number four was a basket of summer fruit then in verses 11 and 12 we have key verses for the book Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine for bread or a thirst for water, but rather for hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and from north even to the east. They will go to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Ladies, this is so important to realize that there is a time that the Lord will cease speaking. There is a time when we harden our hearts so much that we cannot hear him anymore. That is why it is so important that if you hear the Lord speaking, please, oh please, don't harden your heart. Don't keep saying no or saying maybe tomorrow or when my kids are grown or when I get a good job or when I do this, 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 then... Today, if you hear his voice, recognize what a blessing that is. And please, please obey. The last vision, number five, starts chapter nine. And it was the Lord standing beside the altar and he is sending judgment. And it does not matter where the people flee. They cannot escape him because he is the Lord of hosts. Then in verse eight, we get that beautiful word, nevertheless. It reads, Behold, the days of the Lord God are on the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from the face of the earth. Nevertheless, I will not totally destroy the house of Jacob. That, my friends, is grace, and it is the Lord's kindness. We have seen that throughout the Old Testament. There are always a few who are faithful to the Lord God Almighty, no matter what the large group is doing. And those faithful few are called a remnant. Another statement that Dr. Betts said so many times in class was, When you see God's word of judgment, don't miss God's word of restoration. Amos ends with the restoration of Israel in verses 11 through 15. In that day, the Lord will raise up the fallen booth of David and then behold, days are coming when Israel will once again come back to their land, which the Lord promised to Abraham way back in Genesis 12. Before we end the lesson today, I want to read from chapter four, the first half of verse two. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness, behold, the days are coming upon you. Ladies, The thing is, God is holy, and his people should reflect that, but they didn't. They allowed pride, greed, power, wealth, and self-absorbance to rule their lives. Another thing Dr. Betts wrote in his book, God has been so good to us that we have started believing blessings and privileges are actually our rights. As I read through Amos, I seemed to see Christians in America the church of our day reflected. I think, my opinion only, that that is why so many people are leaving churches today because the church no longer reflects who God really is. God is holy and we are not. And that's why we need a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who died for our sin, rose again, defeated death, and has ascended on high at the right hand of the father then as we learned in joel yesterday the holy spirit came at pentecost and he enters all believers both male and female and we have access to god almighty when the holy spirit comes in then like with the other prophets our heart of stone becomes our heart of flesh and then we want to obey the lord it is through the spirit of the lord That we can fulfill the command, be ye holy as I am holy, found in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 15 and 16, and he is quoting Leviticus chapter 11 verse 44. One last thing that Dr. Betts said in his book that I have found to be very important was this, God's people must never forget how our relationship to the Lord encompasses at least three dimensions. First, our faithful obedience and love for God pleases him. Second, our faithful obedience and love for God will be a blessing to us. Third, our faithful obedience and love for God proclaims to the nations that there is only one name by which you may be saved, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, page 179 of his book. So ladies, if you are a Christian, how is your faithful obedience and love for the Lord going? Does it show the world what God is truly like? They desperately need to see it. Until next time, and thank you so much for listening.